Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big Dom Cast, episode 007. What better time for us to sit down, light up a cigarette, have a vodka martini, shake a notch turn, and talk about the one, the only... Suicide Squad. Yeah, we so, don't even like James Bond that much. Yeah, I mean, I could probably, I could probably count on one hand the James Bond films I actually like. I mean, they're all right. Um, Goldeneye, uh, From Russia with Love, on a Majesty Secret Service, which I think I'm alone in. But Skiffle's I really like great. That. Skiffle. Skiffle's good. Skiffle. Skiffle. Skiffle ball. Yeah. Spelunking. Spelunking's good. I enjoyed Spectre when I watched it, but I think I've sat, it's one of those movies I've soured on it. The longer it's been since I've watched it. Just like Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um Yeah, we've got we we we're gonna unload some DC beef this week. Uh we've got some big stinky beef with DC. Yeah. Uh, we wanna we wanna talk about it. We feel like a therapy session is in order. We feel yeah. like some of you may also want to lay out your stinky DC beef and yeah. you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use our mouths to do what we can to make it feel better. Um but we've, got, <laughs> we've got a few other things we wanna that was talk disgusting. A little bit, yeah. But there's a few other things we want to touch on before then. Are Matthew, they? oh, oh, dirty. See, you're the dirty-minded one, darling. What have we got? What my, have mother, we got? my mother warned me of your ilk. Um, what, what, have we, what have we got on the menu this week? What things do you want to talk about? Um, not a great deal. <laughs> no, loads of stuff happened, actually. Um, <laughs> just again, just, and we're done. Bye! <laughs> um, no. Uh, so yeah, we need, we're going to get into some Suicide Squad stuff, and there's some news stories surrounding that that mm. we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. Uh, and also your opinions as well. We asked you guys out there on the old Twitter sphere to yeah. tell us uh, what you think of the DCEU so far, and also just just a reminder because a lot of you get in touch with us on Twitter and everything on YouTube. But if you do ever want to get in touch with Big Damn Cast and you want to write more than 140 characters, then Big Damn Contact at gmail.com is the best place to do it. If you haven't got any stories for us, anything nonsense you just want to spill out. If you want to confess to murder, then we are you guys. You know, Suicide Squad had more than 140 characters. Oh! oh. But not in the script. Oh! oh. That doesn't oh. have any of the dialogue. So the many burns. People, people didn't say many words. So many burns. Mm. You could fit all of Jared Leto's lines and actual contribution in a tweet. I wish I could fit all of Jared Leto in a tweet and send him off. <laughs> to the moon. Never have to just delete it. Um... <laughs> Oh, we should play a cruel joke on him. We should, we should, we should give him six months worth of stuff to film. And I think only life's show already about played half a week of it. Life's already played many cruel jokes on Jared Leto. That's how he turned out the way he is. Um, uh, not a great deal. It's not a massive news week this week. Most of the news surrounds the reaction to the Suicide Squad. Um, a couple of new things <laughs> with the Olympics going on. We've got a new trailer for Doctor Strange, which is basically exactly the same as the old trailer yeah. but it was shown during the olympics so that makes um, you i guess uh, yeah there's that um but the real real one that's got me all excited and hot and bothered is the new luke cage trailer oh which baby. is out which is next luke cage is out next month yeah we're, we are a month and a half away from it right now it's gonna be great that's mental I'm baby i like it raw yeah baby i like it raw, raw. Oh, um, i love it raw oh <laughs> Dirty. Uh, but yeah, that that show, going off the Netflix's track record with Marvel stuff so far, that show looks pretty damn good. I'm, re- um, I'm re-watching Daredevil Series 1 right now because Lou didn't see it. She came in with, she came in with Jessica Jones and then Series 2 of Daredevil. Um, so we're re-watching Daredevil Series 1. Good God, man. Every episode means something. Like, there is never a lag, really. I think I remember for a call, episode 9 and 10 is where you sort of go, you could have skipped to 11, 12, 13 here. 
but at the minute, like we've just done, um, spoiler alert! Like we've just watched the episode that is basically from Fisk's point of view. Mm. So good, mm. and she's terrified of him because, uh, but, she, but she's more terrified of her own thoughts because she's like, I like him, like I, I, I understand him and I like him, and I'm terrified of him, but I, I, I want him, I want him and Vanessa to work out, and yeah, and I, I want him to. You know, so be, not become the man his dad was, and oh my god, the Fitz and Vanessa relationship is is really cool. It's, it's really brilliant. well done, and it's so sweet. Yeah, Fitz is uh, Fitz, 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 old Fitz. Fitz. He's not about Agents of Shield. Um, <laughs> Fisk and Vanessa is is really a great relationship, and kind of the the heart of that character arc, and mm. um, it really humanizes him, which makes his the violence and the horror of him more. Horrifying, yeah. So you just like, more wow, he will sense. still do these things. Yeah, um, it's it's a really well written, well written show, and all of them have been. Uh, people have a beef with the way that Daredevil season two and Jessica Jones dip a little in the middle, but I don't mind it so much because you get plenty of room for the characters. Hmm. But I wouldn't be averse to these series moving to ten episodes instead of thirteen, maybe. Because also, as, as horrible as it sounds, as well, like if you yeah. chop out three episodes. You also get more room with the budget to play around too, so you could have slightly more superhero esque moments. Yeah, because I think as they go on, they're going to have to up the scale a little. Escalation, Sim- baby. Yeah, simply, simply because like if they're now going to do the defenders, they they need to like show that they can handle big threats. Yeah. Plus, it'd be nice to see a couple supervillains sneak into those shows over time. We've had Kilgrave, but you know, it could yeah. be, it'd be nice to we'll see like like bring in. Christ, bring in Crusher Creel. Like he popped up in Agents of Shield. Get, yeah, get the absorbing man in one of the Netflix shows. Well, power levels are slowly creeping up because you get Daredevil, who's Pete Human. Yeah. With his senses. Then you get Jessica Jones, who's... Can kind of fly. It's more like falling. Her superpower is fuck locks. <laughs> she, she, can, she can buzz light year fly. She doesn't, she doesn't like locks at all. Yeah. <laughs> and she can drink like a motherfucker. Yeah. That's, that's, that's her powers. <laughs> and then you got... Um, Luke Cage, the bulletproof man. He's basically indestructible. Well, he's not quite because he gets, he gets all jacked up. Like he's like blunt he can, force he can trauma. Be, he can be screwed up. He can be hurt, but he's a. Uh, it takes a lot. Well, actually, you, you hurting, got, you're gonna drop a bulldozer on him from like seven stories. Hurting him badly is worse because he he's got unbreakable skin, mm. so he's really hard to treat if he does get injured. Yeah. Um. Which so, is, which was exploding Jessica Jones, which is so, yeah. Let's let's because I think we're both really excited for Luke Cage. Can we just can, before we even begin, the tiara and the bracelets. Yeah. Are in the trailer. Disco Tiara, baby. They found a way. It's part of the machine. It's part of the experiment. There it is, everybody. You see it. We're not going to have it, probably, throughout the show. But we've got the tiara. What is it? Only what, for is, the, the, what is the other thing I need, to, I need from the game there? I need... You need a chain at one point. You need to have a chain around I need his chain. waist. Uh, we're gonna, the, definitely going to get the, some the, chain That he takes action. off and smacks someone with. Definitely going to get some chain Daredevil action. teased us with it last, uh, last season. We've already had some sweet Christmas. Oh, I've already had Sweet yeah. Christmas. What's the other thing I need? He said that twice in Jessica Jones. He said it once in the Cannabis Factory and once uh, post-coitus. Uh, <laughs> they fucked. I love, Super fucked. I love the way you were just like trying to gingerly mince around that word. <laughs> around that phrasing. Um, you just got to say it for what it is. They, uh, they, they did the beast with two backs. She took him down to Bone Town. There's a lot of boning in that show. It was pretty great. There's a lot of boning in Jessica Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Um, lot of uh, lot of head bopping in Luke Cage by the look of it. The soundtrack yeah. is basically old school R and B 
and like nineties hip hop, and it sounds amazing. I was watching this is there's a website, but they they put highlights from their like video casts on YouTube. A guy's called Double Toasted. Their review of the Luke Cage trailer is brilliant because Corey, the main host, is basically like, I was I was worried he's he's, he's African American. He was like. I was worried that like when people were saying this is going to be urban, I hate that word when people describe shows. I hate it, he says, because he's like, you know what I mean? What they mean is, oh, it's grungy and it's got poor black people in it. And I hate that. Like, they should never do that. Like, just just, just say say what it is. Say it's a drama about poor people. Say it's a drama about people down on their luck. Yeah, yeah. Don't say urban. And he was worried when someone said it was basically modern black exploitation. Because he was like, really? Rip? He watched this trailer. He watched the first one. He was like, okay. He watched this one. He went, I'm sold. Wow. He was like, I just, but his reaction is so jubilant. He's like, this is brilliant. And he said, it's how you do black exploitation in the modern era. How you capture that feeling without faking it. He says like grindhouse, things like that. That's almost fetishized. It's fake. What you need for a black exploitation show in the vein of Shaft and things like that. The vein of Shaft. Uh, that's the name of the triple X porn parry. Um, in the vein of Shaft. The vein of Shaft. You need. Oh God. You need a city. You need like you need like a Bronx. You need like you know several several um, blocks that need looking after. Your average, uh, you know, your bog standard Bronx. Yeah. You need to. Your typical need, neighborhood. You, you need to represent it in a way that that's done does it justice. Like so, you need to have the music. Like you need to have the like eclectic. Like neighborhood, you need to have people of all shapes, colors, creeds, and sizes, and everything being there. You gotta but, have a stoop, but focus on. You gotta have houses with a stoop. But focus on the black neighborhood because then that way it's it's doing something that other dramas don't do as much. Yeah. You're standing out, yeah. so you make your area living, breathing area. You set it there. The second thing is you have a bad motherfucking horrible villain who's mm. dislikable, like asshole who basically needs his ass kicked. And then the last thing you need. Is you need an ass kicking hero <laughs> who's gonna kick the villain's ass. Someone go in and kick some ass. And that is it. He says that's all you need. You need a horrible person. You need the place that he's like he, he's treating like shit. And you need the good guy who's gonna kick his ass. That's black exploitation. Don't film grain it. Don't force in like um, R and B and soul and disco and things like that. Don't force it. If you can make it feel natural, do that. But don't force it. And no, natural's always better than forced. Cause yeah. Oh, yeah. well, what are you talking about? <laughs> you can just put the director's iPod onto a film soundtrack and fill it with all pop hits from the last 30 years and it will seem completely natural. This character's an independent woman. Let's play You Don't Own Me. Except then that show montage that shows she's very much owned by someone. Yeah. Oh, dear. Mixed messaging. Oh. Um, or is it irony? No. No one understands irony. Um, the so ironing yeah, is delicious. We're really excited for Luke Cage. Yes. Um, get it in my eyes right now. Or, uh, I've got a few things on. If you could get it in my eyes in a month and a half's time, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can arrange that? Yeah, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of the the new stuff that's happened this week. Let's get into... Let's get into... Uh, some sexy comic book stuff. sexy comic book bits. Well, um, <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. I think that's it. That's the list. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here's a man's genitals on the page. Look, well, it's on this page too. Since DC have been trying to shove movies down my throat, I've been going back and exploring some of their comic stuff that I've missed. And also some of their new Rebirth stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still collating on the Rebirth stuff. Big words. Um, but what most... Do you, what do you mean by stuff? I'm just getting through it. <laughs> Getting through it. I want to get. I want to wait till all the one shots are out that set up all the new series. Yeah. Because I'm already. I'm already neck deep in. Because they started off with Batman and Superman, obviously. So I'm neck deep in those. I've read. 
I'm up to date on Batman, Detective Comics, Action Comics, Superman, Aquaman. How is Arthur Curry? Aquaman is really great, actually. <laughs> it's really good. Who's, who's writing him now? Dan Abnett. Dan Abnett. Dan of Abnett. Abnett and Lanning, who did all the Marvel Cosmic stuff. He's also a noted oh, site. Okay. He's, he's written loads of stuff for the Warhammer novels. Okay. He's one forty thousand novels. He's so been so, on the somebody side somebody likes like. to handle law. Yeah, he loves his law. Mm. Um, I'm, Which is good for you know freaking King of Atlantis. His Warhammer forty k <laughs> books are, are really good. Um, his Gaunt's Ghost. Stuff. Is that how much they cost? That is oh. a joke from someone who doesn't get Warhammer. Yes. Oh, that is how much he got. No, oh, no my my dad's super into them. I got super into them, and my dad got super into them because he really likes that kind of thing. Um, you but, accidentally gave him something to become obsessed he, with. Yeah, he, he kind of likes military sci-fi now, I guess. Uh, but that's what it, kind of what it is. But not unlike a. I mean, Space Marines are a thing in one forty k, but it's not like Space Marine military sci-fi. It's um, it's from the ground level of the, like the, the ground troops, the Imperial Guard. But it's basically like World War Two in space. Okay, or I'm having it. Or World War I in space, not trench warfare. But um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of that. Stuff. All of the wars, all of the wars in space. And it's a more human space wars. View. Ooh, there's an idea. Space wars. Space wars in space. Um, <laughs> it'll never catch on. Star fights. Star. <laughs> I think we've got a franchise <gasps> on our hands here. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, the DC Rebirth <laughs> stuff is good, but I'm going to talk more in depth about that when it gets. You know, when all of it's out. When it, when it starts to hit its stride. Well, I mean, it's already kind of hitting its stride, but there's still a few, like, series to be set up that haven't launched when yet. When it's hit its stride, worn its boots out a bit, so bought some new boots for the long run. Yeah. Okay. And then, <laughs> I, I'm pretty, I pretty much soon we'll be into, like, all the, uh, the, the like, the, the Watchmen stuff they dropped in that first one shot. And, like, the, the role of Dots Manhattan in the, in the New 52 and things like that. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see where they go with that. But I, um... One thing I did read, which I got rather into, was uh, American Alien. The Superman miniseries by Max Landis. Isn't it beautiful? Which you've been going on at me for ages about. I, read, I, read I, it, I got it, it as it came out and I was just like, it, it, it was, because I'm sort of like, you know, watching the pennies at the minute, so I'm not rushing to the comic book store weekly. I'll go like once a month and maybe go, yeah. oh, I'll pick that up and I'll that up and I'll read that. And like, Amazing Spider-Man's my soap opera. Uh, I think I'm an issue behind, actually. Damn! And I nine- gotta watch my show! And, and, and ninth, ninth Doctor Doctor Who story is my soap opera. Again, I need to catch up on my stories. I gotta watch my stories. But for a while, American Alien was my highlight. That was the one I wanted to pick up every month. Basically, for those who don't know, it's seven stories from different points in the life of Clark Kent. Oh, like, early life of Clark Kent, really, though. Yeah, all, all, all of them happen from, like, age five up to about his about a year into him being Superman. Yeah. Um, and they are, like, uh, Max Landis summed them up once as, these are seven stories Clark would tell you about himself over a beer. Mm. So he just picked seven things to talk about. And they chronologically go through, you know, they, they happen chronologically. And the first one, for example, is young child Clark during the period where he starts to float upwards and doesn't really know what to do or whether he can control it and how Jonathan and Martha Kent deal with it and how they help him come to terms with it. It's just the sweetest damn thing. It feels like it feels like the short film. It feels like if, if Pixar did DC movies, yeah. the short film before one of them would just be young Clark learning to fly. 
God, it's so well, sweet. I read both that and Birthright <laughs> this week. I mean, I already read Birthright, but I reread Birthright. And both of them were like, hmm, this is better versions of what Man of Steel could have been. Yeah. I mean, I mean Man of Steel cribbed heavily from Birthright. But, but it, mostly visuals, I think. Yeah, mostly visuals. Some of the plot, but then... So, in but spoilers for Birthright, if you've not read Birthright, go and read it. Um, it's fucking great. It's 12 issues, you can get it in one trade paperback. It's it's a really nice trade paperback. I got it when it was on sale from Comixology, so I got like every issue for 99p or, or 69p or something like that. Um, it's re- always look out for sales on Comixology if you've got a tablet, because they do really good stuff, and you can pick up entire runs for like five or six quid if we're having a sale on. It's good things like that. Um, so I got I got that on All-Star Superman in a Superman sale a couple of years back, um, which is when I first read it. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's. I enjoyed that more on the second read, bizarrely. Well, All Star. All Star. I, I really liked I it on the first, but All-Star. after the second, I went into it looking at the thematic sort of awesome. angle, and I was like, oh, God, Grant Morrison, you're insane, but I really like what you're doing. I really like what he's doing. But the great thing about Birthright is that. So in Birthright, towards the end, what happens is that Lex Luthor uses the, the kryptonite that he finds um, to open a time space portal to old Krypton and then use that imagery to convince Earth that Superman is the harbinger of an invasion. And then State uses, like, actors and holograms and, like, tech made up to look like Kryptonian stuff to stage an invasion, which Superman then has to stop. Sounds all familiar. (laughs) So what they did in Man of Steel was just have Zod invade. And it actually be an army of Kryptonians trying to destroy the world. So it causes way more collateral damage rather than Superman just being like, this isn't right, Lois. Go and go and Do he's got thing. he's powering it with kryptonite. Go and get go and get the go and get the kryptonite so I can turn it off while I <laughs> hold everyone off. And then she turns it off, and the load of the illusion disappears. There's like seven people with helmets on. <laughs> she much like I'm gonna beat you all up now. <laughs> I was a good guy all along, rather than being like I've got a, the whole city's falling apart, and I've got to fly into the world engine, and none of the Zod's gonna shoot those people but I'm not just going to cover his eyes and just stab his neck and have to scream <laughs> oh, the first the first part of it is I think the first issue in a bit is um, Clark Kent as a reporter in Africa and it's when he learns that he when he gets the idea that he wants to be something better because he's getting yes. it's like a tribal dispute in Africa and I one, love that it's section. really good I love that section so much because by the end of it I forgot I was reading a Superman book yeah I was just completely like engrossed in like Clark Dilemma here and yeah. the whole like because it's that thing of like that I think that was because it's, it's Jonathan Kent alive yeah Jonathan Kent yeah um, that that was who's it wrote Birthright Mark, Mark Wade. Wade Mark that's uh, Mark written by Mark Wade penciled by Lionel Francis Yu oh it's beautiful it just has just great like it's it's it's, it's, it's a it's a cartoony style but the the big broad chested Superman yeah. and the triangle shaped men and you feel the weight oh, of the stuff. book yeah, like every, yeah. things look like they have a, a presence and they're like they're, you know their feet are on the ground these things exist mm. they look a bit cartoony but that's because they're just taking your imagination and smacking you around the head with it and going yeah. these are the things you remember from childhood and but it makes I, it... I, I remember, I, remember I, I think that was his version like with the, the yeah. conflict of doing the whole you can't save everyone like they didn't have to kill off Parken or anything like no, that. It's no, like no. this is their way of going. You can do your absolute best. You won't always save everybody, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it. Mm. And and but that 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 is covered in a sort of different angles in American Alien. Let's, yeah, they make it's make a, they make a really nice companion pieces to each other because they're both kind of origin stories. Yeah, 
Although American Alien jumps all over the place. American Alien is more origin stories of Clark learning about himself. Yeah. And they're absolutely and, different and continuities. Yeah. Uh, so, then you know, they, no, you don't, they contradict each other, but that's... Yeah. Amer- Superman's mythic. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Amer- American Alien and, and Birthright are, are those kind of stories where if you want to choose, that's... If you're like, oh, that's how that happened. Fair yeah. enough. Like, you can do that if you want. But other than that, you could just go, oh, these are two very creative people giving two very different takes on the birth of the legend. But American Alien, let's let's just quickly go issue by issue because yeah. good god, I love this book. It's very good. So first one is is young Clark, very young Clark, very young Clark learning to fly, and then at the end of it, I don't want to say too much because I want you guys to read it. That is the best really, way to really experience good. it. But seven issues. Look out for a comic holiday sale if you strap for cash. Yeah, it's real good. Or, or here you go, pick up issue one. If, if there's no sale on it, pick up issue one on Comixology or on the DC app or go out and find it if you can. If you really like the tone of it, stick it on your Amazon wish list, the whole pa- paperback, or ask people for Christmas, someone get me Rogue and Alien and yeah. treat yourself at the end of the year because it's, it's just gorgeous. I've not read it in one sitting, so you've had a different experience. Yeah, really, I think. It's, re- it's really good. Issue two is Teenage Years. Yeah, and it's his first sort of... like physical confrontation yeah. with someone and 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 also like just learning how much damage he can do with his powers even when he's kind of trying like how much restraint he has to have to yeah. avoid just that book sums up that book people. sums up just how like de- delicate clark is it makes you realize that later in life obviously it's a little easier because it's more muscle memory later in life but he has to be gentle yeah like picking up a person He's got to treat that like he was picking up a freaking like feather. It all kind like of goes have, back to You have to, to the... be careful because if you don't, you're gonna break their bones. You're gonna you're gonna throw somebody instead of push them. It all kind of goes back to the cardboard world speech from uh, from yes. Oh man. Um, um, and also you get the hint that all of Smallville is aware of what you can do. Yeah, so they can't, but he's one of us. Yeah, but it's, a, it's that small town mentality yeah. of like, we look out for each other. So no one's ever going to say anything, which plays up really nice later on when a couple of his mates visit and they're like, is that you? Like we're seeing on the TV and we're like, that's Clark, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, which one's issue three? Issue three is the boat party. Which is so out of left oh, field. Oh, it's amazing. Brilliant. So, it's technically the first Batman Superman story without being a story yeah, about Batman of. and Superman. Well, no, because Batman doesn't turn until the next issue. No, no, Batman's not in but, it. But Bruce Wayne, unquote, is so in it. So what, what happens with this issue is, is Clark somehow wins the a holiday. The that one's amazing. Just like, hey, chilling on the boat. He wins a holiday, but the plane crashes on the way down to the holiday. And he just happens to get picked up by Bruce Wayne's party yacht. And mistaken for Bruce Wayne staging a grand entrance. Because he sort of has a similar I, appearance and a lot of people at the party have admitted, I don't think I've ever actually seen Bruce Wayne. As he's told by Oliver Queen, who's of course at this party. Yes. He's yes, Bruce, Bruce never comes to his own parties. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's, who is the girl in that? Is she supposed to be Barbara Gordon? Not Barbara Gordon. She is someone. I can't remember She's who it is. Starfire. Off the top of my head. Not Starfire. I can't remember who it is. You'd have to. You'd have to. I will get. I, I will I think... get on it. You just. You describe the beautiful things of that issue because that is essentially the story of Clark's first kiss. Yeah. And like first his, kiss and more besides his first night of like well um, yeah, sort of sexual liberation and and everything. I think but, she's but supposed to be Starfire. He's completely because... a gentleman, but he's also drunk as feck. I think she's supposed um, to be Starfire because she. I'm gonna, I'm gonna search it up. She doesn't seem like weirded out by the whole aliens thing, and I think she kind of hints that she's. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find unusual out. Unusual as well. I, I know she's someone, and I'm really annoyed for not remembering. Oh no, hang on. I think I might be wrong. I think she might be Cheetah. Yeah. Oh, she's Cheetah. Yeah, it's Barbara oh, Minerva. Okay. All right. All right. All right. 
Cool, cool. Oh my god. All right. Uh, um, but she's amazing. And then again, we don't want to, we won't go into all the details. But that night on the yacht, an assassination attempt on Bruce Wayne's life is made. It doesn't go well for the assassin. No. Who, who, <laughs> I would love to see another Superman book penned by Max Landis just to see what his reaction is. Yeah. If those characters meet again, so we yeah. could be like, "It was you." <laughs> Oh my god! Because the conclusion to that book, it's like the it's quickest good. fight ever. It's so good. But you it's also brilliant because it's a Superman book, but it world builds Batman. Mm. It shows that late teens, early 20s Batman is out there training somewhere, but Alfred or someone is still staging like parties and get-togethers at Wayne Manor and on the boat and like at these beaches. Saying that Bruce Wayne's the one who invited everybody. And then everybody gets there and gets so drunk they don't care. Nope. They don't care that they can't find him. It is they don't give hedonism. Because, I, I mean, there's there's Oliver Queen. Like, oh my god, let's go meet him. And, like, no one gives a damn. It's and how? So cool. It's, oh. Um, I love that. Issue four. That is that the one where he meets Lex? Yes, I think. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, because issue, issue four he meets Lex. Is, is it issue four where Clark meets Lex? It's not Superman. Issue, yeah, Lex, issue four is Clark meets Lex. Because issue, issue four's five... got that amazing cover where it's all those people. No, that's issue six. Is that issue six? Yeah. Oh, Christ. What's issue, issue four's four, cover? I'm not sure what the, I'm blind spotting on is. issue four. Or issue four is the one where he meets Lex. Yes. Issue five is... It, it, oh, is issue four he meets Lex and interns at the Daily Planet? And meets Batman. Yeah, who issue... attacks him in his apartment because he... he's like found out info from years back and stuff, hasn't he? Because like... then issue five, he has the cowl. Yes! Oh, Superman's first costume comes from him nicking bit. Like he. Right. Issue Slight six... spoiler for issue four. Issue six, his friends couldn't visit him, and then issue seven is his, 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 his first contact. Yes. Oh, God. Sorry, I've got to talk about yeah. the Batman no, no, I'm just, I'm just issue four. making it straight in our heads. I have to talk about the Batman moment. It's amazing. Four. It's really good. So, and it's about the yacht, isn't it? So it's like several years later. Yeah, yeah. And Batman because he has, also, because has before found he meets, out who he is somehow, eventually. After he meets Lex, but before <laughs> Batman finds him, he meets Dick Grayson. Yes, he does. And you see Batman kick, watching kick him Grayson. talking to Dick Grayson. Yes. Oh, yeah, because Dick Grayson about how is... weird... Dick Grayson's sort of been left in like the super genius daycare thing. Yeah, Lex, Lex caught by Bruce, and it's how weird and and Lex Lex uh, 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 Dick is if he's not already Robin, he's about no, to he, become. Yeah, Robin. he talks because he talks about analyzing Clark. It, he's in a monologue because that's, that's the first time where you get uh, like someone else's kind of like yeah. in a monologue as well. You see oh, Dick's in a monologue. You know that's him. there just because Nightwing's yeah. Max, Max Landis's favorite DC he character. Nightwing. He's so like, I'm he's, putting young Dick Grayson in this book. You see, he's in a monologue analysing Clark wanting to impress <laughs> Bruce because yeah. then Bruce will take him out with him at night. Yes. He's like, I, if I can get this right, if I don't, if I can't work this stuff out, Bruce isn't going to take me out with him. So he wants to, he's not Robin yet, mm. but he wants to be Robin. And if I remember, point. if I remember correctly as well in that book, Lex comes across not as a villain, but just as a bit of a dick. He's just completely immoral. He's just a douchebag. Amo- absolutely amoral. Mm. Uh, just does not but, care. But there doesn't appear to be any villainous deeds going on. No, he's not like... It's Richard Branson. Richard Branson was a twat. Basically. Tell me, Superman! Because <laughs> um, he treats Clark like, Skeletor. what the? What are you? Who are you? You don't matter yeah. to me. But then you get this brilliant moment where Clark goes back to his apartment and Batman's there. And he... I think he like flips Superman over his shoulder or something, doesn't he? No, like sort of well, like tackles he, no, him. No, he, um, he comes up behind him and smashes Clark's face into That's his it. into his laptop while he, while he's transcribing all the interview stuff. Because this day. is early Batman as well. They're implying, but he's yeah. a bit too reckless. He's like, and he's like, "Where? Like you were on 
that yacht or whatever, like, you pretend to be, why would you pretend to be Bruce Wayne? Why are you to be Bruce Wayne? So Clark just grabs his mask and rips it off. <laughs> it's like... And Bowser oh. actually just... Because <laughs> he did that cape and cowl just in one, in one movement of being Batman torn off of it. turns into Tim Allen and just goes... <laughs> It's tool time. And he just, he just, what does he do? Does he like smoke bomb or something and leg it out? He tries to sort of. He, d- he escapes somehow. Because Clark holds him up against the wall, doesn't yeah. he? And then oh, he pulls the cowl off. No, I think it just Clark holds him against the wall to keep him still. He's like, whoa! And then he pulls the thing off. Or whatever. I think Bruce does something like. Basically, Bruce does something and Clark's reaction is just grab the mask and pull. I think he tries to and shock him. Tase him. And he rips it off and Bruce panics like crazy and escapes because he's like, oh god. So Superman's not, he's not going to go after him. He doesn't care. He's like, that was weird. What's that about? Was that Bruce Wayne? Oh, probably. Well, you know, yeah, he, 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 he knows he is because he threatens him. Ah, he threatens him yeah. saying, like, I'm trying to work out what the better, what the, what the better headline's <laughs> going to be. Batman attacks reporter or Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> oh, God. And then he keeps the Calvin cape. And at the start, is it start of issue five? We see this issue five is sort of yeah. him trying out being a superhero. So it's like Batman sort of gives him the ideas, be like, "But what if I did this in the day and wasn't such a creep about it?" <laughs> and, he, and he's he's got like a, he, I don't think he's using Batman's cowl, but he's got kind of like a cowly thing with aviator goggles. I think it's implied that it's is Batman's cowl, but it's definitely his cape. Yeah, because it's all like pointy at the end and torn at where he ripped it, <laughs> and he, it's just like. Oh god, so he's trying. To, he's trying to figure out how to deal with the whole being who he is thing. When does he have the confrontation with Lex? Is it at the end of that issue? Yeah. Uh, yes, because it's, that's the parasite. Parasite. Part. That is. That was a scene that Max Landis described about two years ago when he first mentioned he'd, he'd been yeah. given the green light, and it was a scene he always wanted to write. And it's brilliant because he basically just throws parasites to Luther's office after finding out that Luther's involved, and goes like, "You did this," and Luther's like. Well done, dumbass. Like, what now? Like, what now? You can't prove it. If, if, if you, you can't prove it. And hey, if I had created that, don't you think I would have completely covered my tracks and removed any connection to my creating of that? Because I think I would do if I'd have done that. Uh, oh, by the way, you've just damaged my property. And does he, I don't think he does the phone moment. I think, he, no, he doesn't, does he? Because I remember thinking, oh, he didn't do that. And his original no, thing, he, he, said, he said there was a thing of like, he takes a photo of him on his phone and he goes, and I have a picture of your face. So I could probably find out who you are now. Um, you need to turn around and get the book. In the book, instead, it's more like, what you're going to do yeah. is you're going to go to the press downstairs and you're going to tell them that you apprehended this monster and you brought it to me because you knew I had the resources to deal with it and contain it. The similar confrontation. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's like, wow. He just, it basically is a hard lesson of do not underestimate Lex Luthor. There's similar confrontations in that and Birthright. Yeah. So it's easy to get yeah. them conflated because basically yeah. the same thing happens in both books. <laughs> God, it's so um, good. But yeah, it's, um, it's, like, it's wow. pretty great. Don't deal, you, you can't deal with Lex Luthor. He has thought of everything. You need to learn some incredibly basic shit that you've overlooked before yeah. you even try and confront him again. Too idealistic. It's so good. And then issue six is... I keep forgetting the other mate's name, so I feel really bad about that, but it's Pete Ross and another friend of his from Smallville visiting yeah. to check up on him. And it's 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 this beautiful story of them sort of... It, this clash of friends because it's a mix of them feeling like Clark... Like they can never amount to something like him. But at the same time, they're scared for him and they want to make sure he's okay. 
And at the same time, it's this whole thing of like, it's the peer pressure thing and it's the comparing their own lives. And it's just this really, like, I cried reading the end of that issue. Well, because what I happens at the end really of that? I felt really sad. It's not just that, it's what happens when he, when he has a, as a grump and runs away. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, and Ouch. tries to fly, yeah. and tries to fly to the moon. Yeah. And gets intercepted mm. by two Green Lanterns, <laughs> Abin Sur and Sinestro. Yep. Is it Sinestro or is it Tom Ray? I think it might be Tom Ray. No, I can't remember. I just I remember Abin Sur because I was it's like, Abin Sur. Oh my god. Because so Hal's not happened so yet. So Hal's not Hal's not Green Lantern yet because <laughs> Abin Sur's still alive and patrolling the sector and like you can't. Yo, you can't leave this planet. It's, it's not ready. For, it's not ready yet. So we're we're keeping it safe, like, dude. We're like, get back down there. Based on a oh, scan, we we figure you're from, Krypton, you're, huh? yeah, you're from somewhere else. Uh, this is not how this works. Get back down there. <laughs> uh, can we also point out that the delight of the other Smallville um, dudes in the flat, like, be like, is that Batman's cow? Yeah, because <laughs> like, he's kept uh... it. <laughs> It's like this is clearly some time has passed between the last couple of issues and this yeah, one. Yeah, he's in his he's in his costume now. I think. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. He's in. He's in. He's in. He's in the blue and red. Yeah. It's in like I don't know if it's like the final, but it's in like near. Final. It's like he's about to be done, and yeah. the, he offers a brilliant explanation. Uh, is that the issue illustrated by Jock as well? I think that one. No, it's the. It's or is the, it the uh, seventh? This is the last one that's Jock. Yeah. Because it's the uh, the fight. Because that's another beautiful thing about this book: different artist for each book. Yeah. And it's so good. He offers an explanation. As to why people don't recognize Clark Kent as Superman, because they say like, "Is it the glasses?" I think even Pete Ross says, "Like, what do your glasses have like to be what hypnotize people <laughs> or something? Or what is it?" And he's like, "No, he's just like people see like see me. They'll meet me for the first time, and occasionally they'll look at me like, and what they do is they'll come up to me and they'll go, "Hey, you know, you look just like Superman," <laughs> and. He's just like, oh, what, really? Oh, okay, thanks very much, I guess. He's a handsome guy. And that's it. <laughs> like, that is it. Because no one is ever going to go, you're Superman. They're going to go, you look a bit like Superman. Do you want? Do you think so? Cheers, chum. <laughs> and I think he, at that point as well, I think he's even walking around without his glasses on. Because he's like... And then he sort of takes them off in that frame. And he's like, oh, wow, do I? Oh, great. Mm. It's so good. Um... I don't want to say too much about the last issue because I think it's worth building up to, especially because like the threads of it kind of peek in in issue six. Just and, go and read it, you dumb bastiches. Yeah. American Alien. I'm so glad you've had the chance to finally read it. All yeah, around. it's very good. It's, it's great, very, isn't it? And I think you, you summed it up quite nicely as you said that you've only just read it, but you can already think you already are seeing it as like one of the definitive. It's a definitive take on Superman. Like if you are recommending books to people, that's right. like one of the five books you will go. American you want Alien. To read about this character, read this. American Alien, Birthright, All Star Superman, Red Sun, and what I'd say I'd also um, say whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, whatever happened to the Man, man of Tomorrow. Oh no, do you know what? Usually, if people ask for a jumping on point. If they, if they don't know much about the characters at all, I say go for I say go for Earth One. I'm not very The J the JMS Superman book is great. It's very filmic. I'd give him birthright. It's like if a, if it's like if a Marvel Netflix show was suddenly about Superman, but you could edit it for a TV movie version that was suitable for kids. Like it's got that kind uh, of that yes, world yes, building, yes, 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 yes. but you know, yeah, like yeah. young readers could read it. But it's written with like teenagers and adults in mind. But oh man, it's so good. I've read Batman Earth One. I wasn't massively keen on the first. I was just Jeff that. Johns, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I am steadily growing more and more wary of Jeff Johns' decisions. 
yeah, I um, <laughs> it's it, yeah, Jeff Johns is inconsistent lately. Although it is mainly <laughs> it's the his word of the week. It's yeah, it's, it's brought to it. you by the letter. <laughs> it is his. It is his vision that's kickstarted um, these rebirth. universe rebirths. So, okay. you know, things are getting better over at the the distinguished competition. Um, <laughs> so bit. we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, Jeff Johns. I'm not in love with Jeff Johns as a writer, but he has done some pretty great stuff. Yeah, he wrote. Uh, he wrote Aquaman. Start of Aquaman New Fifty Two. Yeah, and I really dug that. Like that that's the only Aquaman I own and I'm glad I own it. I've I own the first eight issues. The rebirth stuff's good. The rebirth stuff's worth checking out. So maybe keep an eye out for that when the trades pop. Um uh, speaking of pop, like this what what else we got? Because I think I'm riling up now toward the main. I think that's it. I think I, I think, think we, we haven't really got to do it. So there's a couple of news stories that kind of Should we should we should surround. we, should we, should we let, 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 let's just hit the let's hit the bloody ball here right. out of the park. Let's start our discussion with Suicide Squad. Now, if you've not seen our review of Suicide Squad, it's over on my YouTube channel on official CDJ, so you can look that up if you want, but we'll give you a basic summary right now in a little words, my opinion. At first, I was afraid. I was petrified. No, I was just disappointed in it, and I thought it was incredibly... It was too safe to be a shocking bad guy movie. It was too bland to be an interesting comic book movie it feels like the the early two th- early to mid 2000s of comic book movies has suddenly been brought back and that standard is acceptable now as far as warner brothers is concerned and it just isn't waste of a bunch of good characters absolute evisceration of one particularly excellent character who is suddenly reduced to some kind of weird halloween gimmick i'm sure hot topic are going to make a lot of money based off of this film but they're the only people who are going to benefit two stars that's me matthew you had a special word that summed up this movie pants you've got two special words that sum up this movie <laughs> inconsistent pants <laughs> what are they patchier than my old bed shorts even rupert the bear's like nah <laughs> There are too many checks. I can't deal with it's, it. It's just... racist bear. Because <laughs> I sat there and I too watched it checks. and I had an alright time. Mm. And came out of it going... I think our alright time mostly was due to the fact we went to a midnight showing and we yeah. were in a room full of other people and when it finished we all went... Uh. There's a lot of disappointed faces <laughs> coming out of those screenings. Because what? There was four screenings of it on? That night, yeah, we there, there, was a, there was an IMAX, there was an IMAX 3D. Because they've got two IMAX screens. No, they've got the one. Oh, there's the one. So yeah. it also would have been an IMAX 3D, a 3D, and two 2D showings. And we went into one of the 2D showings. A lot of disappointed faces coming out of those. <laughs> it's just not very good. I think the bit, the best reaction it had on that night from people was people who were like, yeah, it's alright, I had fun. It's like, Right, and but as you as you said before, you you got a chum who's sort of your barometer for DC movies. He's not seen it yet, though. Okay, interesting. I have another chum who, <laughs> but, but who like his reaction was like, who yeah. enjoyed it. But again, yeah. when I spoke to him about it, it, had all the same problems I had with it, but enjoyed it. So, so like, oh, that's fair. And again, yeah. like if you, I mean, if hey, you enjoy it, more power to you. I enjoyed the Independence Day Resurgence. It's a, it's it's shit. <laughs> It's it's absolutely terrible. 
but there's something about it which meant that I enjoyed it regardless. And I guess people are getting that out of the DC Universe movie. Smoothies? Smooth- oh, DC Universe, DC Universe smoothies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tastes like balls. Um, <laughs> it's... People are getting something out of these movies because they really have some staunch defenders. Like, people will go to bat for these DCEU movies. Sorry, I want Michael Keaton to voice over that company. <laughs> Smells like balls. Uh, <laughs> oh, that makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is something that I find really odd. There's this almost... And again, this is not a generalisation. I'm just talking about those loud minorities in fan groups that do this. But it's generally almost, speaking... It's almost like... But generally speaking, it's almost like Belieber directioner sort of levels yeah. of violent passion that seem to be more from a sense of loyalty rather than a sense of defense. Like, oh my god, this is the best thing in the world ever, and you have to like it. If you don't like it, you're full of sign. Harley Quinn's amazing. Oh my god, like Harley Quinn Joker, romance goals. Oh my god, uh, they're so oh, amazing. That, no. made me, that made me vomit in my mouth. That. Yeah, fuck. That was almost as bad as uh, Prank Invasion. Yeah. <laughs> I introduced Matt to prank invasion last night. And he now feels sad. Oh, I've not been able to vomit hard enough since. Hey, if you if you if you can guess my name, I'm gonna give you a quick kiss. Now watch all three minutes of it. Oh god, isn't it weird how all of the random people he bumps into are all dressed like it's some kind of flashy red carpet event? But that's a tangent. Back to Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> It's better than Suicide Squad. Um, It's less cringy. Um, So, we were fans of Suicide Squad. Plain and simple. But I think there's somewhat to say about this because the people care about the reviews it's getting. Because it's doing... It did pretty well its first weekend. It did good business, but I will tell you why it did good business. But it's going to have a big drop. I will tell you why it did good business. Why it did good business. Harley Quinn's cinematic debut. Yeah. The return of the Joker, who even yeah. for non-comic book fans is a character draw because of previous incarnations being such a big pull. Uh, Will Smith headlining a fun action movie based on all the marketing. Which people Will, will always Drew eat Hill. Aha! Um, everyone will come for a Will Smith in, in, in a leading role in a summer blockbuster, considering we've not had that Will Smith for about seven, eight years now. Um and the soundtrack won people over. That marketing and the soundtrack, especially in the last couple of months, has been amazing. The marketing of this movie has been incredible as far as a marketing campaign goes. Yeah, those last couple of trailers actually had me interested in the movie. Yeah, so much so that I think the cut of the film we watched was the one made by the trailer house. This is the first bit of interesting news that's come out of the behind-the-scenes story. Well, you can tell it is because they only tell bits of stories and not the whole ones. But that's... (laughs) Because they only they only yes, give you a little bit of the plot. Yesterday, I was playing uh, what's that tower game on Plus this month? Uh, Tricky Towers. It's a. Have you played it yet? No, no. It is the best freaking thing. I'm not even room on my PS4 I'm, hard drive to install any more games. That delete a bunch it, of stuff, dude. It, this one's only like sort of. I need to get two terabyte. This this is like like a third of a gig. It's worth it, mm. mostly for the online play. It's like high speed Tetris. I've got the weird wizard night. No, you don't. With a weird uh, wizardy, um, <laughs> like wizardy vibe, and it's mental. But I, I was playing that online against a few people yesterday morning, whilst listening to Spotify. And the, the Suicide Squad soundtrack is on Spotify. The actual physical soundtrack that they released to coincide with the movie, which is a really nice selection of songs that are all brand new for the soundtrack for the film, apart from a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody by Panic at the Disco, which is I'm going to say it fine. 
because they don't stray from the original enough to a make their mark or b do any damage so it's you listen to it and you go i'd rather just listen to the queen version it's but at the same time i'm fine. upset with this version and uh oh god is it war slipping into darkness slipping in the dark i have no idea that's an older song that's on the soundtrack but the rest of it is all new stuff including the last track on the soundtrack is the new version like the cover by this group and female vocalist of i started a joke and as it was playing i went oh god this was part of the marketing and i went on youtube and i looked back and it was the very first trailer the one that came from comic-con last year the tone of that trailer is so different and i remember being really intrigued based on that trailer and i think that was the movie we were going to get we were going to get a dark uncomfortable like nasty movie which david Ayer can definitely do yeah and whether i, th- I, I want think... to see that is a different matter, oh no but but he can definitely do it. no but i think back then we were more open because we we'd only seen man of steel in this universe we didn't know that what the tone of the universe uh, yes, was, this was before batman very soon and we thought oh so the third movie in this series is going to be a really grim creepy movie for the bad guys and the trailer's great like that's that's the one that made use of the whole that a different take mm. but of Harley going are you the devil and she sees Amanda Waller and like Amanda Waller's backlit and stuff and you're like ooh what is this and was it, that line in the movie yes but it's really brief and it's a different take a lot of the a lot of the key lines in the trailers were reshot by the sounds of it a lot of Joker's lines in the trailers not in the movie at all yeah oh god yeah <laughs> but, but like even his thing even his really really bad in the original trailer is a different cut from the one used in the film yeah and his in the original trailer, he's like grinning like a maniac, and he's like, he, he says, "I'm not going to kill you terribly." It's like, "Oh, I'm not going to." It's like, "What? I'm just going to hurt you." Oh, God. really, really bad. Is Joker the voice the new Bane voice? Um, no, because I can understand Bane in comparison. <laughs> I can understand it. <laughs> well, on the um, on the subject of that, um, although Bane loses points because he mispronounces Rache. On the subject of mis- of missing scenes. <laughs> Someone is, is is threatening to sue <gasps> Warner Brothers this is nuts. over this is nuts. false advertising because of deleted scenes. Reddit user <laughs> Black Panther twenty sixteen is saying that he's gonna take he's gonna try it through the British courts. I don't know how that'll work with Warner Brothers being an American company and all that. Um, but he's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying that because the because the scenes. That were in the trailer, weren't in the movie for, like for quite a bit. He apparently, um, I think he lists four different Joker scenes, two specific Katana scenes, uh, that were in several times in the first trailer and many TV ads, but weren't in the movie. This guy travelled from Scotland all the way to London to see the film as early as he could. Yeah, and he wants reimbursement for all that travel money and the price of his ticket. And apparently his brother's a lawyer, but he's on Reddit, so take that with a pinch of salt. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the level some of these people are being disappointed by this film by, because they just... it's Someone took two films and just mashed them together, and yeah. neither of them work. Yeah. That being said, though, plot-wise, it's still more coherent than fucking Batman v Superman. But it's mostly because you as an audience member are going, no, hang on, this is the plot. What's going on here? What What's what's happening? Like, you, you're keeping check of it for the yeah. movie 
Whereas Batman v Superman, it's like trying to freaking... It's like taking two different jigsaw puzzles, grabbing a handful of pieces from both, putting them in one box and giving it to someone and going, there you go, make the puzzle! You're like, wait, what? With Suicide Squad, it's all the same puzzle. It's just not a very good puzzle. No. That's the that's the, the be all Watching that original trailer, the plot is what the plot was. It's all the, the same The plot puzzle. is no different in the original version, but I think the tone was more gross and grimy. You've just got the frame, you've got the outside bit done and a bit of the sky and then you haven't got the rest of the pieces. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the puzzle just a load of knives carefully arranged into several circles? <laughs> with some baby clothes in the corner. He, he was asked about that in an interview. They said like, so what's, what's with the baby, the baby onesies in that shot? And then Joker's lay on the floor surrounded by weapons and everything. And, and he was like, does he want a child or whatever? And he went, the Joker is a is a psycho killer, and a lot, a lot of fa, 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 and a lot <laughs> of a lot of people, serial killers and psychotic killers, will keep trophies. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, he's implying that the Joker has either killed babies or has killed like families. I'm pretty sure kept. the Joker's killed babies. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, well, well. Again, their own interpretation, but the first thing that came to mind when you said that was No Man's Land in the comics, the death of Sarah Gordon? Sarah Essen? Sarah Essen, that sounds about right. Yeah, her death. Um, at the end of that, he's in the maternity ward, uh, a paternity ward, just surrounded by babies. And he's basically got a gun to one of their heads and he's confronting her. And he's never planning to hurt them, he even says it afterwards, like he, did, he was never going to hurt the babies. He throws the baby at her. As she catches the baby, he shoots her in the head. And then he walks out, not smiling, because he's just like, yeah, done. Because he obviously feels a bit weird about it, which is strange for the Joker. It is strange for the Joker. As he's leaving, and this morbid image then of just a bunch of babies on the floor crawling over to her, and some of them crawling on her, and one sitting in the pool of blood that's spilling out of her head. And it's like, oh, God. Good God. The Joker is a really great freaking villain. Got, in every like other media <laughs> in everything else he's not really a character in this no. maybe they took the interpretation from Grant Morrison a serious house on serious earth that the Joker doesn't actually have a personality he creates himself anew every every day but just forgot to create himself anew every day yeah. and just give him no personality I, I think what's happened here is because Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder are the executive producers of this movie let us not forget Zack Snyder they are across the 1250 they are across. They are across. If you've never seen, if you've never seen the Zack Snyder belated media videos, go and watch them. They're it's, very a re- good. it's a review for Sucker Punch, Man of Steel, and Batman v Superman, and they're amazing. Um, it's uh, they're across it to keep the tone, as it were. But unlike Kevin Feige over at Disney, yes, we're going to compare them. They are trying to do the same thing. We are going to make comparisons. Shut the fuck up. Um, unlike Kevin Feige who makes sure that the Marvel films all have a consistent tone and style, but their own identity, but mm. they all fit together. Sometimes to the sacrifice of the creative team, we all wanted to see, and I think we all still would like to see Edgar Wright's take on Ant-Man, but we have to agree, Ant-Man worked. Ant-Man was pretty good. And it worked it really pretty well. Pretty damn good. And it felt like it belonged with the rest of the movies. So, you know, we didn't lose, we didn't, lose a great film about ant-man we lost a version of that movie um you know that's how it is joss whedon has gone away because he he is a creator is obviously finding it harder to work with that machine although he has said he would come back to do a black widow movie 
if if they do it now, if they say we're gonna do a Black Widow movie, he says I want to direct it. I'd rather see a Russo brothers Black Widow movie. To be honest, I think they handle the character way better. Well, yeah, but then again, if they're going to concentrate on Avengers, let Joss take Natasha. No, because I think he he fumbled her in Age of Ultron. I wouldn't want to see him. I wouldn't uh, want to see. Fair enough. I wouldn't want to see. As much as I like Joss Whedon, I okay, think he dropped the ball. Okay, it's the one. second Black Widow, and she's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, oh, God no! God no! <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. Cause Sarah Michelle Gellar wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> And look right, at what happens when Sarah Michelle Gellar doesn't want to do things. You get Buffy season seven. All right, it's a, okay. It's the second Black Widow, played by Freddie Prince Jr., wearing a photograph of Sarah Michelle Gellar on his face and still a bra and catsuit. Mm. You'd watch that. Uh, you bastard. Not for two the hours. The point I'm making is those films have a consistent tone. So Deborah and Zack Snyder have, have sort of tried to bring that to the DC movies thus far. So. It's just a terrible tone. They are obviously the ones who sat down with, with David Ayer and gone, so this is what we want to do. And I think they basically just gave David Ayer... They went, Dark Knight Returns is what we're basing all of our shit off of. So have a look at this. Oh, Frank Miller also wrote this thing called All-Star Batman and Robin. Have a look at that. Oh, no, don't. Don't ever look at it. But what, it's but, real but, bad. But the Joker appears in issue seven of that book, and distinct traits, distinct differences between that Joker and every other version are... Tattoos, dresses more like a modern mobster, not not blingy, but he still has like jewelry and like brass knuckles mm-hmm. and sort of like the, the slimming suits, uh, and like he's you know he's pretty like toned and everything, and also he never smiles, because Frank Miller apparently thinks that'd be interesting, yeah. I mean even even in Dark Knight Returns, the Joker doesn't smile much, but that's because he's not being the Joker until he murders everyone in the TV studio and then he starts grinning like a lunatic. Can't stop himself. He can't stop himself after that point. He dies with a massive rictus grin on his face. Like, but Frank Frank Miller decided obviously when he was writing All-Star Batman and Robin, oh no, the Joker should never smile because that'd be edgy. People won't expect that. Well, what does Jared Leto's Joker have? Tattoos, a slimming body, like he's decked, like he's, you know, he's, he's got abs and he's everything. Jared Leto. He's Jared Leto. Yeah. He wears more modern mobster suits. The colours of which all seem to be based on colour schemes from The Dark Knight Returns. They're not the exact suits, even though all these freaking clickbait articles keep going, it's based on that, but no, the colour scheme is the same. But he doesn't have a white tie, he's got his shirt unbuttoned in a weird way that looks like a tie. And also, he never freaking smiles. He laughs a couple of times. That's that, it. That's is that a laugh, or is that just body air escaping from his dying body? But I think that's how Jared Leto would explain it. If he said, "So what? So how did you pick your laugh?" And he's like, "I like the idea that sort of the demon in him is escaping from his, his piss off." Uh, uh, when his casting, I'm Jared Leto, and I'm touching myself over how much of an actor I am. Let's rewind uh, two years. Uh, let's rewind. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm so great. Oh. We're gonna get the Oscar out of my ass. Oh. That is hideous, and I enjoyed every second. That's of it. what happens. Jared, that's what Jared Leto does to himself every night. Rewind two years ago. That would have been a better movie. Rewind two years ago to the announcement of his casting, and I think we all pretty much were like, "Okay, all right." Mm. 
I'm interested to see where that goes. It seems like he seems actor. like an interesting guy. He's, he goes a bit method. He'll, he'll physically change for roles and stuff. Like that'd be interesting to see. I mean, he'll be an insufferable twat about it. And yeah. it's well, process. no, we, well, we didn't know that at the time. No, we did. Well, no, we didn't know that he was going to be an insufferable twat about his process because he's always an insufferable twat about his process. Oh no, but we didn't know how pointless his insufferable twatishness oh, turned out to yeah, be. Yeah. Um, as the first image of him is released. And it's the screaming image, he's topless, he's covered in tattoos, he's got the grill, he's got purple gloves on. And everyone went, Ugh! And that was DC going, happy 75th birthday, the Joker, was basically where they did that. Here's Here an update. Is. So it was last year, earlier in the year, here's a picture, and we all went, what? No, 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 no. To the point where a couple of days later, David Ayer confirmed, no, no, no. You're all getting it wrong. This is just, this is our tribute to the Joker. This image, and he has said it, he has said this, this image is our 75th anniversary homage to the Joker. Like, those tattoos are sort of, like, representing elements of himself, as the jester and the ha-ha-ha and everything. Like, that's what this is about, and he's screaming because it kind of looks like the Killing Joke image, and, you know, that's what we've gone for. No, it doesn't. No, the the laughing ha-ha-ha, like... Oh, oh yeah, 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 but he's not smiling or laughing, so it doesn't really work. But this, you know, that was them going like he's sort of in that pose, and you know, you got the bats on him, so that's a nod to Batman. There's a little bird on him, that's a nod to Robin, and <sighs> damaged across the head is just a thing. But then, <sighs> but then, the first images early last summer began to leak. The first one being a blur, like the first one I think was an image of Jared Leto with green hair but not with the makeup on, because I guess he dyed his hair green during the process. Yeah, because yeah, he did some gigs and he had green hair, didn't he? Um, Jared Leto showing people on his phone, showing someone on his phone, an image of him in costume, and that was the image, first image of him we got. And people were like, "He's definitely got the grills." And then we saw an, the images of him and Margot Robbie filming a scene we never saw, with them arguing on the street in what looks like she's it, she's it, in a regular. Well, I wow. based on re- when we watched it the other day, I noticed it looks like that's the scene before the Vat of Chemicals scene. Like, yeah. It looks like that's the same night. Because she's in the same outfit, like the blue jeans, blue shirt, brown shoes, glasses, and he's in the, the same outfit. So it looks like this is like the last kind of argument confrontation they have before he's like, right, prove it, prove that you're going to be mine. Would you Would you die for me? No, that's too easy. Will you live for me? <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> you know, you know what would make that slightly less, like slightly less odd scene. And a little more uh, informative. If she was clearly brainwashed or something at that moment, well, he did like put the electrodes no, into her head. No, no, but head. no, but this is a different night. So if if she was maybe after that point, yeah. But if she was if she was playing it a bit more like she was sort of drugged up mm. or like, I'm not saying like you know hypnotized, but something like that. Because at least then you could be like, oh god, like he completely toyed with her and played with her mind to the point where she did this, and she's you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But they weren't interested in telling an interesting story. They they shat out cliff notes of mad love and completely missing the point of mad, of love. mad love and the, and their relationship yeah oh god well Sorry. that's the thing um red letter media summed it up yeah. in their review of suicide squad they said the joker isn't in this film harley's boyfriend is in this film harley quinn isn't in this film the joker's girlfriend is in this film and it's like oh wow yeah you're right like that is not that's not those characters. That's not what those, those, those characters are. Now, if yes, they, they're in a relationship, yeah, but it's not... If that's the interpretation they want to do, fair enough. That's your right, it's your adaptation, but at least 
have them still be Harley Quinn and the Joker. Do not have the balls. If you, if you want him to be in love with her, like, genuinely, great. Yeah. Do that if you want to, but have him still be the Joker. And don't have the balls, the gall, <laughs> the unmitigated gall, to invoke mad love mm. in imagery and dialogue, and then replace it with something subpar. If you're going to invoke a work that important to those characters, and that well-loved, yeah. you have to bring the thunder when it comes to actually what you watch are actually going to do. You can't just wet-fart it. <laughs> like the new 52 version of Harley's origin yeah, which they yeah, which yeah. they adapt with the vat of chemicals that's new 52 Harley they just love sticking her in chemicals don't they why I, I don't, don't know what's, I what's, don't... More, what's more interesting about Harley is that Harley makes a choice like here's the thing people will go like well it doesn't make her a strong role model if she just bows down to like a man like isn't that just really typically sexist no here's the thing human beings are human beings there is such a thing called love Sometimes it is reciprocated by the person that you can fall in love and sometimes the person you fall in love with reciprocates it and they fall in love with you too. And that's how it works. Sometimes it's, I'm sorry, real life, sometimes that doesn't happen. In the case of Harley Quinn and the Joker, Harley Quinn, intelligent fucking person, but also arrogant and um, selfish and, and like she, her entire reason for working at Arkham isn't because as a psychiatrist she feels she can do the most good there. Her entire reason for working at Arkham is because she wants to write an expose. These are the rock star nutters. She wants to write a book on the, a tell-all book on them. That's the majority of the, the origins and the, definitely Mad Love and everything. That's what she's going to do. She's going to sell it. She's going to be like, I cured the Riddler. I made Two-Face not a psycho. Aren't I great? And here's the dirty details in my book. That's what she wants to do. And yeah. she gets access to, because in every other medium apart from the Suicide Squad movie, this makes sense. She gets access to the clown. And she's like, oh my god, he's the biggest. Like, he's the rock star of mentally unstable people. I've got to do this. She meets him, and the Joker sees that hunger in her. So he panders to her. He plays her like a fucking fiddle. He gives her what they played wants. us like a damn fiddle. <laughs> she he gives her juicy gossip. He gives her a story of his childhood. He tells her these things. He lowers her guard. She starts to go, oh wow, I guess he is kind of like a bit of a tortured soul. Oh, I didn't expect this. I thought I was just gonna write the details on all the things he's done. And okay. And she starts to like him. And he starts to win her over. And they begin to flirt. And she starts to become incredibly attractive. Because here's the thing. He was the David Bowie of Psychos to her. The thin white Duke of Death. Exactly. Like, he was the rock star. Like, she, he was he was her target. She still holds him on a pedestal. The problem is, it goes from her idolising the idea of him to idolising him. She yeah. falls for him. Yeah, yeah. She falls in love with this guy. It is a big mistake. You find out that from various other things and various stories later, Harley hadn't been in a big long-term relationship at this point. She always overanalyzed people. She could always figure out her boyfriends and make them realize what was wrong with them and that she didn't give a shit about them. Like, she would do that. That was her. She was too psychoanalytical. <laughs> Suddenly, she's got the most fascinating person she's ever met. Evil, horrible, murderous, but fascinating. 
So she becomes obsessed with him. She falls hard for him. It is the ultimate high school crush made flesh. Mm-hmm. He takes advantage of that. Now, some people interpret it as he does kind of like her and wants to keep her around. He's like, yeah, I kind of like her. I think she's all right. It's easy on the eyes. Yeah. Other people interpret it as he has a slight affection for her. Maybe she is the one human connection he's got, but he still won't treat her like a princess. I think he feels more like she's a pet. Yeah, I, that, my interpretation is like the animated series interpretation, which is she's a sexy dog. Like, she's a cute lap dog who he can also occasionally shag if he wants. That's basically his outlook. He's like, oh, if, I fancy, if I fancy getting my rocks off, I've got Harley. Not a bad person to do it with. Look at her, she's fucking gorgeous. She's but not. ultimately, she is a toy in my toy box. She's a jack in, She's an exploding jack-in-the-box. She's an electric hand buzzer. Like... I could, I could throw a, a smoke bomb at Batman, or I could say, Harley, go get him! And she'll do that, and she'll get her ass handed to her, and it'll be hilarious. But I'll run away. Because in several episodes, like Joker's Millions and stuff, he gets away. Mm. Like, because that he leaves her to suffer the consequences. Because he doesn't really care about her. He might have an affection for her, but it's either as a pet... Or as someone who can get him laid. Because for all we know, let's face it, the Joker's biggest love is Batman. That's his biggest love. But Batman isn't going to shag him. So maybe he has a use for Harley in that way. That's up for interpretation. That's up for whatever you want. In Brian Azzarello's Joker, he makes a thing of it. Maybe Harley is literally just sex and a person whose shoulder he can cry on in his quiet moments when he's not surrounded by people and he actually lets out some stress and worry and then goes back to being a psycho and moving on with it. But that's their relationship. I think... In this movie, they fuck. That is their relationship. I I think that there is also an interesting (laughs) interpretation of Harley to be had post-Joker. Yeah. Because then it's about her coming to terms with that trauma and that invasion and and the way that she was treated. There are stories to tell there. And that's what that's what they were doing in Birds of Prey with her and with her and Ivy. Yeah, but all they've done now in modern DC comics is just turn them into Deadpool. She's Deadpool. She's Deadpool, and at some point in the past, she and the Joker had a history, apparently. Yeah, that's that's basically what she is now. Um, uh, it's 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 that is that is her entire character. Yeah, and the thing is, I because again, I was working. Believe it or not, I was working on this before my laptop died. <laughs> God damn it! So I'm gonna have to start from scratch. But I'm doing a hypothetical video soon, basically, because I've started dotting out a plot line. Uh, like a like a pitch version of how you could in the same style as bladed media as what if episode one was really good mm. where you basically take the premise the majority of the characters and everything so that financially this could still be the movie they would have made and using sets and everything but my version of how you could change that film just here and there to make it work a lot better and be in spirit of those characters in the book because, again, another fundamental problem with Suicide Squad, and I think the reason why it leaves a lot of people dissatisfied as well, the people who were like, yeah, but the people who weren't thinking so much about the, the techniques used to make it, but more about the experience. Those who've come out of it going, oh, I just was... Ugh. The film is doomed from day one, because, as we said this in the review, um, it's a film about a team of bad guys going on a suicidal reconnaissance mission of some kind. But because it's Hollywood, they're going to turn out to be misunderstood bad guys. That's the story. It's not going to have the teeth to do the, the story justice. Yeah. Like an, it, like a good version of Suicide Squad, for example, sticking to it would... This isn't this isn't in my one, but like a good interpretation, for example, would be like have a lead-in character. Maybe one of the villains has that kind of arc. 
the rest of them go full on rogue toward the end. Or they save the world where they need to, and then they piss off. Yeah. Like, they break out and they go off and do their thing. And maybe you have one of them, like Deadshot, turn around to Waller and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. You are giving me a chance to do this legitimately, and I'm going to give it a go. I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying, but if you can sort my life out, I'll lead your freaking Task Force X a few more times. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like you have one bad guy sort of go, all right, and put his hands out again at the end and be like, you're just going to get hold of me again anyway. You're going to punish me. I may as well do this. And then you have that character be the carryover. You're just going to tip off Batman again. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Like, just, oh. In, in my version, tiny spoiler alert for a video that may never see the light of day, but hopefully might. It will. We'll my, my, my version has a character who is... I'm still figuring out whether it should be Rick Flagg or not, but you have somebody who is with the military side of the operation overseeing it all. They're our window into the story. So they take us in. We have a character who is not in the squad, but they're the, they're sort of our POV character at the start and the one who we, has the option to have the good guy arc, the good guy story arc. Like, they don't become prominent per se. They're not, it's not like they're the ones who do the killing blow that saves the day. But you know what I mean? We just have a window in. Um, so we get to meet the squad. We get to like them. We get to know who they all are. But we still all don't get the compromise of them being people with a heart of gold. Um, the problem That's the problem with the movie. It's always going to end on kind of a, oh, they weren't true to themselves kind of note. Unless you set up from the beginning that they're all misunderstood, which this film does with a couple of them. So it's like, so it's not about bad guys. Then. Remember, we're the bad guys. No, you're not. They are the bad guys. Um, you're just people. Um, also, in my version, you cast the Joker. You only see him in a blurred, like, blurred Harley flashbacks during a roundup of who she is at the beginning. Then he's not in the movie at all. And throughout the movie, you've got Deadshot, like, basically saying to her, like, you know, you are, you are brilliant. Why are you waiting for this? Why are you still doting on this guy? He's not coming back for you. Like, why are you doting on him? What's the point? And she doesn't quite see it. But maybe she gets the point where she starts to believe in herself a bit more. By the end of the story, you have her broken out of the facility. Because the Joker has found out where she's being kept because the news footage of this thing. And he takes her back and she's like, you cared? And he's like, no, I just don't like other people playing with my toys. Because then the plot of your sequel is Joker is the antagonist um, and Waller sending Task Force X to recover or kill Harley Quinn because she has information about what they're up to and she could expose it. That should be the sequel. Joker is the antagonist. Harley Quinn is the target. Task Force X is sent after her. Which could still be the sequel. It could still be the sequel, but I don't think they're that clever. And I don't think it will get a sequel necessarily now. I think what they'll do is they will bleed these characters into the other movies now instead. I don't know, because it's doing better than BVS did. It is. Have you noticed, the news, have you noticed those news reports keep going? It's doing better than... Well, those news reports are going like, it's do, it, it opened bigger than Deadpool. And it's like, yeah, because it's a PG-13 movie. Yeah. Uh, it opened bigger than Guardians? Yeah. But we get again um, Harley, no Quinn's first, Harley Quinn's first movie. Gar- yeah. Guardians is one of those where, like, by the second week, it was the king of it, the box yeah, office. It was huge, um, and its DVD sales were phenomenal and everything. But yeah, I don't know. So it's not had the big second week drop off that BVS had yet. But yet. there's still time. There's still time. Uh, side note: Ghostbusters is never going to make back its money, and the sequel has basically been put on 
sort of hold now forever. However, they're going ahead with Exoforce, the animated series, which is run by Ivan Reitman, and the next project may be an animated movie directed by Ivan Reitman that will be out in about five years' time. So Ghostbusters fucked itself over, but the franchise may continue in an Ivan Reitman-controlled environment. But you know what franchise is seemingly unstoppable in the face of no success? <laughs> Go on. DCEU. Yes. Let's 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 have with a bit of chat about the DCEU because uh good god. Good hairy god. <laughs> like one woman needs to be good at this point. Yeah, I uh right I I'm going to I'm going to bring up some of your tweets as well during this chat too because you guys sent me your opinions on It on needs to be good. DCEU online. Again, if you want to say some say some stuff that we'll talk about next week, big damn contact at gmail.com. Because Man um, of Steel was all right. Man of Steel, I I really disliked it, but I could see why people liked it, so I didn't have a problem with it as much. Like, it was like, yeah, I get it. There is stuff that works in there. It was not for me, but there is stuff that works. Yeah. The the further away they get from Birthright, the worse it gets. Yes. Um, So I tweeted the other day, after Man of Steel, BVS, and Suicide Squad, this is after my second watch of Suicide Squad, Chris, why would you do that to yourself? I've got an Odeon Limitless card and my girlfriend wanted to watch it out of morbid curiosity leave me alone. Um, I went to see Suicide Squad for the second time. I felt horrible. So we went to watch Finding Dory afterwards. I felt much better. Um, so Finding Dory's great. It's like Monsters University in that um, it doesn't need to exist, but it's worth a watch because mm-hmm. there is some really, really, really nice emotional stuff in there. Um, it should have been called Losing Dory, in my opinion. So you can have Finding Nemo and Losing Dory. Um, oh, that's that's horrible. No, no, because she gets lost in the story. So that's the story. Yeah, but, uh, never mind. She doesn't die. Um, Finding Nemo could be God. Um, after Man of Steel, BVS and Suicide Squad, Christopher Johnson tweeted, I am now much less excited for Wonder Woman, which is true. I'm less excited for it now. And completely disinterested in Justice League. That is not an exaggeration. If this is the, wor- this is the universe these characters inhabit in cinema... I don't want to watch Justice League now. I'm still more optimistic Somewhat, about both of those. Amy Kelly underscore zero one said, nah, don't give up that easily. <laughs> I, I feel like, oh, I feel no. Like a, I feel like a battered housewife. <laughs> I feel like actual Harley Quinn. Like I keep going, maybe the next one will be great. Fool um, me once. Shame, shame on, on you. Me. Shame on you. Fool me, me twice. twice. Shame on me. Fool me thrice? Shame on Snyder. Like, like what do you... Fool me thrice, I carry Zack Snyder naked through the village going, Shame! That's like how far we've gone. How, 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 how are you, like, what are you, what are you clinging on for? I don't know. Like, Rachel May Meaden, lovely Rachel May Meaden, give her a follow, she's brilliant. Rachie May on Twitter says, My feelings on the DCEU could be summed up thus. If they fuck up Wonder Woman, I'm a come for them like, and she put a gif of Wonder Woman smacking some fool with a sword from the trailer. Because that's you know, the thing. They might well. We'll see. We'll Visually see looks way. interesting, but all of them have looked interesting in some way to me prior to seeing it. BVS less so than Man of Steel and Suicide Squad, but I I, I can't do it. All I can't be excited for these movies yeah. anymore. Yeah. I can't be excited for them. What I'm going to have to do now is I'm going to have to... I'm going to watch them. I'm going to give them all a chance, but I, I'm not, I can't emotionally invest in them now because... I'm just going to either be upset or angry or pissed off. I want to come out of Wonder Woman 
if in, well, I want to come out of Wonder Woman going, oh my god, that was incredible, well done. Well, I feel like up to now, no one who makes them has been emotionally invested in them, so why should you? Yeah, be? oh god, yeah. But I've got a feeling I'm going to come <clears> out of Wonder Woman and I'm going to just go, why, why, why am I watching these? Why am I doing it to myself? Um, I have faith in Patty Jenkins. I think it visually, again, from the trailers, looks great, but I, I can't go off of that anymore. I cannot go off of that anymore. We've been stung too many times. Too many damn times. Um, type 40, uh, uh, I'm assuming that's a reference to the TARDIS on Twitter, says, after Suicide Squad, uh, it makes me have hope for the DCEU. So they enjoyed Suicide Squad. They got some out of it. And like you say, people have enjoyed it. It was better than BVS. Yeah, I think I if I had... I mean, like, we talked about this the other day. Like, we said, if we had to pick one of the three that is the least shite, you went Man of Steel. Yeah. I kind of feel Suicide Squad, but only because the humour of some of the characters tipped me over towards Suicide Squad a bit more. Even after the tremendous nose-diving quality that Man hmm. of Steel takes at the end, there's still hope for the next one to be good. And it's then not an S. Best. It isn't an S. On my planet, this means hope. Well, on our planet, it's yes. That is my favourite and sort of only fondly remembered scene. There are some really good moments in Man of Because it's the only scene where I'm like, oh, there's there's Superman and Lois Lane. Look at them. It's a conversation. It's it's more... There is a moment... Man of Steel is the less flawed of the three movies. Yeah. It starts off pretty good. It has big flaws, but it also has really good points to it. There is a moment in between, I can't pinpoint exactly, but somewhere in between Fine for the First Time and Zod arriving, there's a moment where that movie could become great, Yeah, but it just makes all the wrong decisions and gets bad. It smacks itself in the face with the world, yeah. world engine. It, um, but, it's, but it could have been so good. Lewis Gennery says, I liked Man of Steel, and I haven't seen BVS or Suicide Squad, but I still want to see them. The fact you haven't seen that yet, though, Lewis is interesting. Like, I can't say what you're thinking, sir. I mean, BVS is out on on DVD and Blu-ray now. I do wonder if people have held back because of audience reception. Well, people held back on seeing it in the cinema because of audience reception. Word of mouth killed that film. Word of mouth. Stone dead. Assassinated that film. Um, And rightly so. Like, we shouldn't support this. It's fucking garbage. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's, you know... What can they do now? I've seen a few people, including um, like Comic Book Comic Book Girl nineteen, has done a good video on this, where she's basically gone. It's not too late to start over. It isn't. I don't think they need to start over. I think they I think they need to invite back. people in who give a shit, which they've done with Jeff Johns taking a more but active role. Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns oversaw elements of Suicide Squad, and his first it's... active role is with Justice League. Yeah. So, but I don't know if it's too late. I mean, five. Ma- it's when people say to you, "Oh, oh, you've got to watch this show." It's it's sort of slow, but it gets really good at season six. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I don't want to have to. I want episode one to grab me. I want episode two to convince me, and I want episode three to make me go. I'm in. I will keep watching this now. I don't want to have to plow through freaking five seasons of something before I give a shit. I don't want to have to do that. And this is the movie equivalent. If Wonder Woman's great, great. But that's like one out of four ain't bad. Nope, that's bad. That's bad. We shouldn't have taken four movies to get to a... And then Justice League has got to keep the momentum going if Wonder Woman's good. 
It's got to be. It's got to be nothing short of fucking spectacular to make me go. All right, I might come and see your sixth movie. Because at the minute, even even the I'm a reluctant viewer of the but, upcoming movies. But it's not about quality either. Because look at how much fucking money those Transformers movie makes. Movies make. They make yeah. so much money, and but, they're all shit. And I say that as I, a man who's yeah. looking at a shelf full of Transformers now. Seriously, but the, like, the amount of Decepticons and Autobots in this room is ginormous and yet i am sat next to a man who couldn't give a shit about the transformers movies i mean because the transformers movie you know transformers the good one from the from from 1986 is amazing and it's getting a 30th anniversary release this year oh sweet Uh, a nice new blu-ray print 80s sounds on blu-ray yeah it's getting (laughs) it's getting a nice old new restoration treatment and all that good stuff dare to be stupid that's amazing yes it is but those michael bay movies again like taking one franchise and adapting it into a live-action movie franchise, a bit like DC are doing, and it misses the point of everything that makes it great. They feel like the mid-2000s comic book movie yeah. adaptation films, exactly. because the first one was. The first one was a 2007 movie based on an 80s property. The first one is probably the most watchable of the bunch, but that's because it's watchable not because it's worth watching not because it's an amazing adaptation not because it gets what makes this um, yeah, property like, appealing they design all the transformers to make them look more realistic but for those listening at home matthew I'm is doing, doing air quotes i'm doing scare quotes <laughs> but like they welcome to big damn the, cast the for the pleasure holiday. like the, the for me, like the the pleasure of the Transformers designs as toys, the colour the colourful blockiness of them. Mm. I mean even the modern ones that I've got over on the shelf there, the from the generations line from like 2014, 2015. Yeah. They they're but, really poseable and they look cool. Like they're not bricks like the original these, like, toys. These, like, the purple guys and everything. Like they're these bright like, Yeah, green, yeah. Decepticons like... are purple and green and Autobots are blue and yellow and white and it's they're not just a swirling silver cloud yeah. with occasional splashes of blue somewhere. And you know, they, but they you know they're recognizable silhouettes. There's no recognizable silhouettes in the Transformers movie. There's like, well, I suppose you've got Optimus Prime's horns, but that's about it. Yeah. Like there's no like Megatron doesn't have a recognizable silhouette. Look at the original cartoon Megatron, dude, big gun on his arm. That's Megatron. You could cast a, you could backlight him like. A, like Spielberg in one of his dirtiest pornographic I love backlighting things moments and you go oh my god that's Megatron I mean that original Transformers cartoon has not aged well but look at the character models for it mm. and they're all clearly identifiable you know who everyone is because everyone's got a really clean recognisable design the stuff in the movies over designed overdone in the name of being realistic and gritty and edgy which is exactly what DC have done with their entire movies everything's gritty edgy Suicide Squad is super over designed mm-hmm. like the the Superman costume from either both of the movies and they remove the pants you can't <laughs> take the pants away I mean no a, but we got rid of them because people were taking more seriously like I mean the thing with the pants you know the flying alien back, from space well they go back, disguises himself by wearing glasses they go back to the whole circus strongman thing underpants, so it's it? not a really a cultural touchstone anymore yeah. and that's what they come from but also um, but also again it just casts an image it casts a striking image yeah 
And you, you don't look at it as like he's wearing his underpants outside of his pants. You look at it as like, oh, yeah, Superman's costume. He's sort of got like he's got like red brief kind of thing and red yeah. boots, and then there's a yellow belt. They're and... not underpants. They're um, underpants. Yeah. Underpants. Yeah. <laughs> um, the circus strongmen wore tights, then they wore the shorts over the top because you... wrestlers. Yeah, it's like a freaking wrestler. No one's yeah. going on WWE and saying, "Yeah, can we get them out of the little pants and just have them in trousers?" There's, a, there's a great video on uh, on NerdSync which explains where the what, why Superman wears his wears the shorts. Yeah, and they got rid of him now, and it, it cost him like Jim Lee said he redesigned it to sort of streamline it and still make it recognizable as Superman, but it's just a bit too much blue mm. because you look at the Superman, you've got the big red cape with the yellow symbol, you've got the yellow and red symbol on the chest. And then you've got two bits of blue sp- punctuated by a splash of red right in the middle of him. Yeah. On his crotch. Giggity. Nice. Um, but then the new one, it's just all blue. And it's yeah. just, it misses, it, I feel like it just needs that splash in the middle to just sort of split that the was, blue. That's what he, that was um, what he looked like in issue, like his first story in Action Comics, isn't it? Action Comics 1, he, he's all blue. He's got blue gloves. No. And a red cape. No. I thought he was all blue. Actually, original Action Comics Superman is Superman. Oh, was that just like the original doodles of him? I think I'm seeing, Maybe, I think I'm seeing like, the original okay. doodles in my yeah, head. Yeah, original Action Comics 1 Superman is Superman. <laughs> blue, <laughs> blue suit, red boots, red trunks, red cape, small shield, because it's before they have the formal big S logo. Yeah, because oh, yeah, it's, 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 like it's like the yellow triangle. It's less stylized. With the red S yeah, in yeah. it, yeah. But, it's, um, but it is, you know, it's, it's, it's Superman. A it's a silhouette. It's, it, that, like, and that look is iconic, and taking that red out of it, just... Mm. It, it just doesn't feel... It's bland. Yeah, it looks a bit bland. Superman, bland. Superman's really bland, though. Right, well, you've just made it worse, then, if you believe uh, I that. Think, I think... By making him look bland, his boots are black and yeah, red. And but he's like, taking uh, that red out, taking those red trunks out, just... It makes... It's just too blue. It just take, makes him too monochromatic, in that sense. A too blue tape. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I'm trying to think. Well, Joker, I've been... I've recently opened a book that I've not read since I picked it up about six years ago, which is, you know, when DC... Released a couple of books. I think it was a Superman, a Batman, a Joker one, and maybe Catwoman, I think, uh, called uh, The Greatest Stories Ever Told. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially just these compilation books. They've all got Alex Ross covers, and it's just a selection of stories with that character as the focus throughout it. Um, all on that slightly cheaper paper stock as well, which they've recently started doing a series called Batman Arkham, and it's about each villain. I think there's Riddler, Killer Croc, Scarecrow, and Two Face are out, and I really want to buy them. Can't afford them at the moment, but they smell like old books, and it's amazing. Um, but so they, oh, I love them. Uh, they did it with the Nightfall volumes. It's just like, oh, oh yeah, I got. I used to have two of those, but I got them hidden till now. So I, um, they're just. I like the big chunky squishy paper. Yeah, too uh, big for my for my house, though. But they did these. Uh, they did these. Uh, too many books. Too uh, many books. <laughs> but they did these volumes called Too uh, many books. Greatest stories ever told. It's about a character, and I've got the Joker one. And I'm rereading through it, and. If you go on my Instagram, I posted my favourite picture from the one about the Joker's greatest bonus. No context. Um, and I've just got up to Laughing Fish, which I, I realised I'd never read before. I'm reading The Laughing Fish, which is late 70s. They're coming out of the gimmicky era for the villains. The villains are being a little less silly now. They're being a little darker. Is it's it Neil not, Adams? Uh, not yet. Uh, it's the, the guys, the team just before Neil and, and Denny take over. Um, and, oh my God. The Joker looks like this this scrawny looking dude in a well-pressed purple suit, spats, long coat, broad, like wide-brimmed hat. Just looks amazing. He looks so good. And again, it's a silhouette. Like, 
He's a clown. He's got a big collar. He's got a jester on a cane. He's got a massive red mouth. Big wispy green hair sticking out of the hat. And he looks like a clown. And he's intimidating and he's creepy and he cuts a silhouette. Jared Leto was Lil Wayne. With the sepia turned up. And some green coloured on his hair. And that was it. Look at a picture of Jared Leto's Joker, guys, on Google. Now look at a picture of Lil Wayne. Joker was Lil Wayne. What was it? He was Lil Wayne. Who was on the soundtrack, annoyingly? Just to make the full circle complete. So basically... <sighs> is it too late for them to change? No, because what they should do is they should hire us. Oh no. And we'll run no, the DCEU. I don't, want, I don't want to sit in an office surrounded by pictures and artwork from those movies. I'd come in and I'd just... I, do you know what? If we do that, if that ever happened, they're like, look, we're going to get you, you two. You, you two, two. You two. You seem two. To, seem to know a lot about shit that doesn't really matter. <laughs> we you two you people in. who have no experience doing this. You two unknowns from... <gasps> Right, let sunny me, England. Let's paint the scene. So it's the board meeting and they're waiting for us to arrive, right? Yeah. They've got a long meeting room over at Warner Brothers. Uh, it's the DC meeting room and they've got some artwork on the walls. They've got Affleck's Batman and stuff. And everyone's looking moody and shit. And everyone's in the room. And Jeff Johns is there as well. It's like Snipe and all that team are there. And uh, suddenly like the assistant comes in and says, uh, 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 my Chris arrived, Jeff. <laughs> like, oh, it be and someone left this package for you though, Jeff. Oh, right. And he opens it. It's a little orange box. And he takes the bow off and he opens it. And there's a little orange gas mask in it. With a note saying, put this on. So Jeff goes, oh, a bit weird. He lifts it up. And suddenly the vents start to pour out this purple gas throughout the room. So Jeff Johns whacks the mask over his mouth. And he breathes in his panicking. Zack Snyder's choking and dying in front of him. Deborah Snyder's Someone falls in a cake. David Ayer falls into a cake. That he left his fork in. And everyone... Everybody snuffs it. James Wan was late to this meeting. He didn't arrive. James was there. But everyone else dies. He's still flash direct. Or is unconscious for, for, for just to make sure this doesn't sound like a threat because it no. isn't. I'm just, We're just not, theor- no, no. theoretical. It's sleeping gas. Everyone dies. Sleeping, sleeping death. Sleep death. Everyone, everyone sleeps the dream of death. He's only sleeping. Um, and there is a pause as the doors burst open. You and I burst in in purple suits. Lawrence! Boom, <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. No, you see. Dun, dun, dun. We just walk around spray painting proper DC designs all over the walls. You joke. We whack up a, we whack up a load of pictures of like sil- you know Silver Age like Barry Allen and like you know, all these characters. We just whack them up on the walls, and then someone goes up. T- Someone goes up, one of our minions, dressed in black with berets and sunglasses, goes to rip through a picture of uh, Jeremy Irons' Alfred. And we just walk up to him and go, no, no, I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we keep going. And then we eventually just sit at the table and put the world to rights. See, I like that you went there because you went way further than I was going to go. Because I was just going to say, we take the scripts and I just flick through it, just reading it going, crap, crap. Crap. <laughs> and then we get to, you know, so clearly some Jeff Johns doctored uh, speech about Superman being a symbol of hope. Now this is art. That's where I was going to go with it. But you know what? So, but but you we both what? went to the same we place. Same place. All right, we well, both went to Jack Nicholson's Joker. Okay, you're set up as him, you're in the suit, and I'm sat next to you in a dress with a porcelain mask. <laughs> 
Uh, will you be my Alicia? Yeah, I will. I will sit there and talk in a suddenly British accent, and all will be well. <laughs> I think we have to end it there, really. Where can yeah. we go from there? <laughs> to us! Guys and girls, if you want oh to get in touch with us, you days. know the drill. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Of course, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Leave a review if you like the show. If you don't like the show, still leave a nice review and I'll send you a lollipop. Uh, we'll be, if you watch, if you listen to this week of release, we're not on YouTube yet, but we'll be back soon. And uh, you know what? Just oh, stay stay happy. Go and, watch, go and watch some Romero or Nicholson or Ledger. Go cleanse your palate. Do it. Do it for my sake. <sighs> Bye. <laughs> Pardon me. Pardon me. <laughs>